Welcome to Sport Insights with Imagio. I'm Bridget Lacey and joining me as always is Imagio Group Managing Director Sam Maxwell. Sam, how are you? Well, thanks, Bridge. Welcome to 2020. It's a yeah, new year, exciting opportunities for, um, for everyone and I'm yeah, looking forward to it. Busy time of year, of course, Sam. Uh, plenty of cricket and plenty of tennis happening at the moment. So, um, yeah, plenty to, to, to keep you busy this time of year. Yeah, no, look, this year's, um, you know, the, our guys and girls play play all year round, but I guess from an Australian side, uh, particularly on the tennis, there's a lot of interest both commercially but also from the, from the general public and the media. Uh, then obviously the Big Bash is, is going on at the moment. So, yeah, there's, there's a lot going on and, um, yeah, keeps us busy, but a lot of fun at the same time. Now, it being this time of year, of course, we're... Um it's got pretty serious in the tennis already, but of course uh, everyone's building up to the Australian Open uh, in a couple of weeks. I uh, wanted to, to do a special episode, I guess, focusing on that. And um, we thought as a guest, who better to get on than, uh, than one of the nation's finest tennis journos in Linda Pierce. Um, Linda's been covering this tournament for over three decades, uh, Sam, and you've seen her around the traps plenty of times. Yeah, look, I mean, probably one of, you know, um, the country's most respected and, and well-known, you know, tennis tennis journalists. And um, she's, as you said, she, she's been around for, for many, many years and she's seen she's seen the growth of the game. But um, importantly, as, you know, for this conversation, she's seen the growth of the Australian Open um, from the days in the late 80s to, to what it is today. How it's grown from, you know, a fairly small tennis tournament that, you know, not even the best players in the world would, would travel down to Australia for to, to now an event that is that is really in some ways sort of bigger than, you know, bigger than tennis. Um, you know, they, the Australian Open, the organisers and Craig Tiley, tournament director, put on, a, um, put on a really good show, not only for the players, but for the, the fans and spectators as well. So we are going to have a bit of a chat here with Linda about her experiences over the time. So, so let's have a listen. All right, well, Linda, thanks so much for joining us. Hard to believe, but you're about to cover your 32nd Australian Open. I bet you never imagined that would happen when you started out. Not at all. My first Australian Open being uh, 1988, the very first one at what was then Flinders Park, now Melbourne Park. And um, I was just a little columnist on the um, on the Herald Sun at that stage and, um, and then have been going pretty much ever since. I've only missed one in all that time when I um, had a quick job change. And um, it's incredible to see how the event has matured and um, developed and expanded and, and, and to what's become now less of a tennis tournament and more of a kind of an entertainment event, really yeah so can you take us back to the 80s i mean what was it what was it like back then as, a, as i guess as a reporter covering it and, and from a you know from a fan perspective well, I didn't go as a fan that much. I've, interestingly, when I, I wrote a guide for spectators going to the Australian Open recently, and I actually had to look up a lot of the info because when you're in the media, of course, you get your media pass and you go into quite a different environment. So, um, But I do remember back then, it just seemed so so small relative to now. There was only Rod Laver that had the um, retractable roof, and it wasn't even called Rod Laver Arena then. It was the green um, plexi, no, it was the green rebound ace was the first surface there, having come from Kuyong. Way smaller media facilities, way fewer media representatives from all around the world. Um, it, it just seemed like, I mean, it was a vast improvement on what I believe Kuyong was like the previous year. I didn't actually cover that one. But the, the global event that it is today, um, that moved from the late John Kane to build the, that, the stadium right on the riverbank, right next to the city really did save the event from, I, I fear, a, a nasty fate. 
Mm. So I think you mentioned in that you mentioned that article you wrote, and you sort of mentioned that it it used to be the poor cousin in a sense of the of the four slams. Yes, um, exactly. And a lot of Margaret courts were were against um, quite inferior fields relative to the ones we get now. The players just thought it was too far. It was the wrong time of year. It was over Christmas. They weren't prepared to leave their families. The prize money was nothing like it is now. I mean, Wimbledon always had its traditions, and the Europeans always loved. Roland Garros and the US Open was what it it is also but the Australian Open just didn't kind of have a hook and I guess that the it's pretty much equal equal billing these days which is fantastic and it's certainly at least equal prize money how did they do it Linda how did they transform it from from where it is where it was to where it is today because it does feel like the players love it the fans love it and um yeah it's got that real box office feel about it now Exactly. The, I think the move, the move to the new stadium was the absolute linchpin of of what we have today. Without that, and then it, it's continued to evolve and improve. So they haven't stood still at all. As soon as they got one stadium, um, you know, they wanted a second roof, and then there's a third roof now. And then they, with the help of the Victorian government, who've piled in a lot of money, we're just at the at the end of stage two of the latest 972 million dollar redevelopment. So which has um, still got another stage to go which will include new media facilities and, and a new function centre all sorts of things so I basically think they realised that they had to probably do more given the distance um, than even any other event to attract the players to keep the players happy to um, be innovative to be welcoming to to do all those things and the players love for it I think has kind of uh, manifested in all sorts of ways and and um, it's very much a very healthy um, Grand Slam event now and I, I don't see any real prospect of of what we were conditioned to think was a danger which was the fact that Asia in the Middle East were kind of hovering, waiting to get their claws into it and take it away because it wasn't up to scratch. Now, you mentioned as well Roger Federer um, dubbed it the Happy Slam, I think, back in 07. Yes. Why the Happy Slam? I just think it's a bit like people's experience of the Sydney Olympics in 2000. Everyone's very friendly. Everyone's very happy. The staff are very welcoming. Um, it's just got a, it's a great summer vibe. It's so close to the city that you can, the players are not inconvenienced by having to travel distances um, like at US Open. Everyone stays in Manhattan and they've got to have a long uh, bus ride out to, to Flushing Meadows in Queens. There's nothing like that here. There's a real summer holiday vibe great staff and just a, a very um i guess inclusive environment as well for everybody what sort of innovations have they brought in as well that i guess maybe some of the more traditional slams i'm, I'm particularly a wimbledon would be i guess unwilling to do well, I'm not sure. They, they were certainly, with the, from, to my memory, were the first Grand Slam to have Hawkeye, so the mm. um, the video line calling review system. I guess that I think this year they've talked a bit about what they're doing extra in terms of the fan experience. Um, there's, oh, there's yes, more so practice a, courts and there's uh, what sort of things have they got going on this year that that's new, I suppose. Oh, definitely. They've got. Um, they, they, they have, I think they were certainly the first Grand Slam also to have music. So they have an AO live stage, which is in Birarangma, right in the heart of the city. That is the kind of the entry to the precinct, which for the first time this year stretches all the way to Richmond Station, which is um, an expansion on previous years. So you, you don't see live bands playing at, at, at Wimbledon, for example, mm. and that's that's something that's happened for the past few years. I sometimes wonder if the tennis tournament gets a little bit lost in everything else that goes on, but. I'm 
I might be a bit of a crusty old traditionalist, I'm not sure. I feel that, that sometimes, I, I mean, I go for the tennis, obviously, but I know lots of people um, who go just to be theatre goers, really, and just to sit on Grand Slam Oval, have some drinks, have some food, listen to music, watch on the big screen, be social, which is a bit like myself at the Spring Carnival Racing here in Melbourne, I must say. So that's that's how I do that event. But in terms of, and I guess I'm not criticising the VRC for making it not about the horses, whereas I do think that, yeah, the tennis is sometimes, can sometimes be a little secondary, but that seems to work for Melbourne. Yeah, they may be attracting a fan that wouldn't necessarily... That's right. And I do think one thing they've done really well is the ground pass too. That's still $54 per day, which is, um, especially in the first week, great value because there's so much going on on the outside courts. And they have tried to build up the second week now for a bit more content. So they've got um, the wheelchairs and the legends and the juniors have always been out there on the, in the second week. So it's certainly the, the week one is the premium ground pass ticket. Then it's also much more crowded as well. So with 800,000 nearly uh, through the gates last year, there's sometimes can be almost overcrowded. Friends of mine used to go on Super Saturday, I think it was called, and um, stop going on that day because it was just a crush. And especially on a hot day, a lot of people having had quite a bit to drink could get a little unpleasant. So I know um, Tennis Australia were keen to monitor all of that as well. Mm, so do, do fans, I guess, going, they need to do their research before, before going? Well, that was the sort of theme of my story, which um, the age wanted for their travel section is to tell people this is, um, there are a few tips to go. So, for example, Melbourne Arena, which is the old high sense Arena, which is 10,500 seats, that is not ticketed apart from some a few rows behind each baseline. So if you can get there early and set yourself up for the day inside, you're only, that's for the price of the ground pass. So um, in, you're not paying the premium prices to go on to Rod Laver Arena or Margaret Court Arena, you've got, but you've still got a stadium with a roof um, and you can sort of set yourself up for the day and, and leave your things there or you can alternatively wander around the grounds and just pick pick the matches that, that appeal to you. Um, it's They've also got a new AO app this year which helps you kind of um, work out where the nearest food and beverage um, um, opportunities are near your seat and all that sort of stuff. So they're getting a little bit more high-tech as they go. Mm. And, I mean, as Australians, we seem to have a great affection for this tournament, even though, uh, let's face it, we haven't had a lot of success there of recent times, Linda. Why, it, no. It doesn't seem to bother us, does it? <laughs> no, it really doesn't. And we've adopted Roger Federer like he's our own. We certainly, I think, wish he was. Um, and there's a great affection for, for Nadal, not so much Djokovic, of course, but he has won, I think, seven titles. So mm. he's an, a phenomenon in these conditions here. Um, and, yeah, I just think Australians, just as we know, they love sport. They love going to a big event. And so that's why Ash Barty is causing us all great excitement this year with the prospect of possibly having an Australian in the final for the first time since Leighton Hewitt in 2005. Yes, of course, um, we've had Marit Safin in Perth this year, which just always brings back memories of that but I mean you did mention that we've got Ash now but we have had some great players during that period where we haven't had winners necessarily why do you think it is is it the pressure do you think or the conditions are not necessarily suiting our Australians as much as some others or I think a little bit of both I know for example Sam Stosa who obviously is our other most recent Grand Slam women's or champion of any kind um, previous to Barty. I asked her that very question not long ago and I said people always say you crumbled under the pressure of playing in Australia and at Melbourne Park in particular and, and how do you look back on that now that you're at the end of your career and she said she doesn't think that was the case at all. She knows that when after 2011 when she did win the US Open that she felt she did feel 
greater expectations and and pressures here but she didn't feel that was that kind of crippled her to the point where she couldn't perform she actually just thought the, the courts here have just never really suited her they're a bit slow she much prefers the u.s version of the hard courts that is the other um, mm. hard court major so she said there's there's a bit of a myth she believes that Australians and in particular her crumble under the pressure because she didn't think that was the case. Again, Pat Rafter didn't play his best tennis here despite winning a couple of US Opens. The mm-hmm. condition, faster conditions suited him better there too. Um, and Hewitt, of course, got to a final. So, um, yes, we've, we've had a few near misses, but um, hoping that Barty can go a little further. And she does seem to take so much in her stride so easily at the moment that I would love, love, love to see her do well. Wouldn't we all? Before I let you go, Linda, can you give us a little prediction for for Australian Open it can be anything really (laughs) well I think don't tip against Djokovic usually here um, is usually a safe one Um, a prediction they put me on the spot Bridget Um, I just hope the bushfires don't have too great an impact actually and I think the management of that will be really important in terms of the welfare of the players with with the smoke haze and and the environment because it's 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 not great here at the moment not as bad as it was a couple of days ago but um, I think that's got to be something that's a new element this year that we really haven't seen before um, Mm. at the Australian Open. So um, Novak mentioned just the other day that perhaps they should look at as a last resort even pushing the tournament back. I don't see that happening, but I do see them needing to really take care of, of their great asset, which is the players. Absolutely. Another dimension for them to think about, but I'm sure they'll work it out. Linda, um, thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. And I hope you have a great time covering your 32nd Australian (laughs) Open. Pleasure, Bridget. I'll see you here. So that was uh, Linda's thoughts. A really interesting chat. And I loved uh, her early memories from from the 80s when, um, Sam, you you and I were um, barely born. Um, (laughs) uh, uh, Can you talk me through, obviously, you've been heavily involved over the last decade at least. How have you sort of found it change even in that time? Just even, I think this is my, the top of my head is my 13th or 14th, um, yeah, open in a row that I've I've been to. And just, it's it's grown so much in in that time. Um, It's just on, on so many levels, firstly from a Melbourne Park side, um, as the as a facility, I remember, you know, there used to just be Rod Laver Arena, which was the only uh, the only um, court with a roof. Um, now the the number of courts that have roofs, the show courts are bigger. Um, now the introduction of Grand Slam Oval. So for those of you, for those listeners who who haven't been to Melbourne for the Australian Open, it's a you know it's a it's a, it's, it's like a carnival party atmosphere with with bands and bars and um, and pop up restaurants and cafes and. The, the tennis is on the big screen and it's really, a, as Linda said in a, in a conversation, that it's an opportunity for for everyone to, you know, sit back, relax, enjoy the tennis um, on the screen and not necessarily even just, you know, go out in the courts. Um, and also from a player side, the the, the innovations that, that what the tournament has done to, to really make sure that the players are well looked after from, you know, last year they launched a, a new players cafe, which is a four-storey um, a four-storey facility that's just it's massive. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of scary to see the changes that have come across in the last, as I said, 13 or 14 years, and I can't, yeah, I can't even uh, begin to imagine what it was like 32 years ago in this case. You, you talk about the players, obviously, that's who you're talking to all the time and you've been to all the slams yourself. Where do you think it rates now in terms of what the players like and, and in terms of around the world? Um, where's the Australian Open sit, you think, now? 
Yeah, look, in terms of other slams, um, it's it's clearly, I would say, my view that it's number one in terms of a, a, a player's, um, the, the player's favourite. There's there's a couple of reasons for that. Um, firstly, they're, they're just so well looked after mm. from from the drivers and the volunteers, the tournament staff and, and everything that they really do go out of the way, do go out of um, their way to... To, to accommodate the players, which is you know which is great. Um, again, look at the facility side of things. Um, as I said, there's the there's a player cafe, there's you know rest areas, the gym, the other relaxation areas, the other facilities is really just first class. Um, and I think the other slams have taken a leaf out of a leaf out of those. Um, there's a leaf out of the book of the Australian Open and really tried in recent years to, to innovate and um, and improve their own their own standards. So yeah, but I think without a doubt there's a number of reasons behind that. And um, yeah, the Australian Open is is in my view that the player's number one number one Grand Slam. And from a fan perspective, obviously very, very popular. What, yeah. Have you, got, have you got some tips for, I guess, anyone who might be heading along? Yeah, I think I've got yeah got a couple of tips. But I guess I think the um, you're right. It's it's really super popular from a from a fan side. I think there's a number of levels to that. I mean, one is that. Um, it's traditionally always been in the school holidays, so everyone's on, you know, still on holidays. They're still relaxed. It's going to be interesting this year with the tournament pushed back a week, um, given the introduction of ATP Cup and a couple other things. The second week of the um, of the tournament is actually going to be in um, uh, in the Victorian. Um, uh, Victorian school terms, so it'd be interesting to see if that plays much a, m- much of a role. But in terms of tips, look, um, if, if you're going along the uh, ground pass, I think Linda said it's fifty fifty odd dollars. Um, the schedule is always released the, the night before. Some of the I always love, you know, day one and two, the Monday and Tuesday. Um, obviously, I don't have much of an opportunity given given my role with with work and players and that. But always get out and watch the Aussies. The the, the crowd support for them, the, the way that um yeah a lot of the 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 fanatics as they as they used to be called kind of get behind yeah the Aussies is um is a lot of fun. Um, but also you can you can see some you know players top four five top 10 in the world um, on, on the outside courts um, in, in the early rounds. So you do really get to see some so some high-quality tennis. And the good thing is, um, unless you have a, a ticketed seat, so that's for um, either Rod Laver or, or Margaret Court Arena, you can actually roam in any court. Um, so you can. there's a new Australian Open app this year they only just launched um a day or two ago you can you can see the schedule coming up um the scores and all courts and yeah you can really get out and um experience you know some some pretty high quality world-class tennis and back on to the the player stuff um linda did mention there at the end that this i guess what's going on with the bushfires um is a new dimension has there been much talk um and much much concern around uh, from what you've heard or what you've spoken to the players? Yeah, it's an interesting one. It's obviously very relevant with some of our guys with the tournament that was to be in Canberra mm. uh, this week, um, both the, the women's ITF event and the men's Challenger event got moved to Bendigo so that the air the air quality uh, or the air pollution in, in Canberra was um, for a couple of days I'm not sure if it still is today but it was was the worst of anywhere in the world um, so for for the player uh, for the player's safety and their 
Um, and yeah, I guess their health. Uh, that tournament was was made the decision to move to move that to Bendigo, which I think was the I think was the right call. From what I understand, is that um, the, yeah, Melbourne will be okay. Um, it's going to be it's, it's got a little bit better the, the last couple of days. I, I don't see that the tournament will be you know delayed. I, I saw Novak Djokovic came out and sort of said that, but I, I just really can't see that. Not only from a logistical side of things, but I just don't really think it's probably going to get that bad. Um, but obviously, our thoughts are with, yeah, everyone and every, you know, what they're going through at the moment. It's um, yeah, pretty horrific, and it's also on that note, you know, really pleasing um, to see. I guess the whole sporting community kind of get behind, um, yeah, get behind what is a pretty, yeah, tragic and sad situation that's happening in Australia at the moment. Absolutely, and plenty of fundraisers going on around the country. We're talking about the the Aussie Open. We know how much it's grown already and clearly every year they announce something new and uh, it seems like expand how big can it get is it can it get much bigger than it already is Sam? yeah it's scary i mean if you asked me a couple of years ago um yeah to get to this i probably you know you wouldn't really think um you wouldn't really believe it it's, it's interesting i mean what from here kind of where where do you get bigger i mean they've got they've got from a from a tennis side you know you're always going to get the best players um now from an entertainment side you've got some of the you know the best acts and the best bands in the world playing every day on a daily basis um you can't really make facility a whole lot bigger um so yeah interesting what they're going to do with that um yeah, so I'm interested to see um, their their what the, their ideas for for growth. Obviously, they're going to try and make um, you know uh, the, the show courts add a bit more um, uh, seating to, to them over the couple of years. But yeah, look, it's a world class facility as is, um, and they've the Tennis Australia, um, Melbourne Park, and the um, and the Victorian government have have done a really really good job. So I'm you know I'm interested to see what will happen in the next you know in the next ten years. But it's yeah it's pretty impressive what they've what they've done. Brilliant for, for all those heading along. Um, we wish you have a have a great time, uh, Sam. We we uh, we've got more to say on this subject uh, next week. Uh, we might have a, another look at I guess what goes on behind the scenes at a at a huge tournament like this. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I guess the as we said, the, there's there's a lot to do from a player side, from from a um, from the Australian Open, and sorry, from a fan side, and, and what they can and what they can look forward to, and what can they can experience outside the tennis. But I guess there's a look also, you know, behind the scenes and, and what goes on to to prepare um, the the players and, and what they need to do. I guess a little bit outside tennis, um, yeah, for for any tournament, but particularly you know a Grand Slam and for the Australian players. Um, yeah, their the home Grand Slam and, and what's involved in, in that regard. Brilliant. Well, look forward to chatting about it next week. Sam, I'll let you get back to, to what I know is a busy time. Thanks, Bridge. We'll speak soon.